Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Adam Miller and joining me today is a man who, from certain angles, could have feasibly gotten away with performing at Transmit yesterday under the name Lewis Capaldi, it's Gaby Mackay. And joining him is a man who I like but don't yet know well enough to come up with a pithy introduction for, it's Chris Doyle. (laughs) On the pod today... As 44 arrests are made at the Transmit Music Festival, we ask if there's a difference in how gig-goers and football fans are treated. As Rangers demolish Marseille the day after signing a three million international defender, is it time to take Steven Gerrard's title challenge seriously and prepare to take Scott Rail's side for the first time ever as Shea Logan comprehensively fails to understand trains? Now, 44 people were arrested at Transmit this weekend. Thankfully, none of them were Gaby Mackay, who's here to discuss what, if any, differences there are in the treatment of football and music fans. Now, the scenes after Celtic's win over Rangers in March saw it described as a game of shame. No such language has been applied to Transmit, an event at which, just like March's derby, the vast majority in attendance were able to enjoy themselves without committing a crime. Gaby, do we just have a persecution complex about this, or are football fans genuinely held to a different standard? I think they definitely are. Um, you just have to look at the the number of all the buses that go up to transmit, and the amount of people who are drunk are, are drinking on those buses, which, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with. No, absolutely uh, People not. are having a good time, no. but that's not the same standard that's applied to football fans. Uh, now, I got on a bus in Kilmarnock to go to transmit after a fashion because the person I was with got the bus stop wrong but that's fine she won't listen to this um <laughs> so we got on the bus and there was already before the bus had left there was a boy on it who was so drunk that he'd already thrown up all over the bus which was you know ideal for an hour bus journey and this is going to transmit this was going to transmit yeah mm-hmm. and you know people have got like the you know bottles of whatever drink with vodka and coke in it or whatever Again, I have no problem with that. I don't want to sound like a grumpy old man. It's people having a good time. But I, uh, well, I don't want to have to rehash the whole story. But um, <laughs> uh, earlier this year, I went on a football sports bus to Aberdeen and people got on with shock horror, some beers for a four hour journey mm-hmm. on a bus. And the police turned up and took all the drink off of us. And when I suggested they might have better things to do with their time, they threw me in the back of a police van and read me, uh, not the official riot act, but something of a riot act. Now, I don't think the police should have bundled on to the transmit bus to tough people off or to take drink off them or to stop the bus going. But it's a very clear difference in, in approach Especially considering that I'm sure a lot of the people on the transmit bus were, if not underage, a lot younger. They're not mm-hmm. exactly responsible adults. Yeah. Uh, there obviously is security at transmit and drug sniffer dogs, but I do think that it, there isn't the same, the same sort of sense of like football fans always being like sort of dangerous animals, sort mm-hmm. of something that you have to if you don't keep an eye on them, you know yeah. they'll they'll kick off. Whereas we all know that the absolute huge majority of football fans at the huge majority of games will are, are absolutely fine will cause no issue the worst you'll see as you will sometimes see at a game someone who's had a little bit too much to drink yeah and you end up seeing these ludicrous situations like we did last season i can't remember what team it was their supporters bus but there were about like 12 people on the bus and the police were kind of proudly tweeting the haul that they'd managed to collect off this bus and it was like four bottles of buckfast maybe like six cans 
um, and, and they're acting as if they're going to get a pat on the back for that kind of behaviour. Yeah, and, and they got absolutely ratioed. I believe that was an Air United supporters bus. Yeah, so that, once that again, they have shamed Ayrshire <laughs> by having such a poor haul of drink. But yes... Um, Played right into your hands bringing that one up. Yeah, you did. No, but um, but I think that was one that United all football fans. It was something that was like two half bottles of Buckfast, a mad dog and about four cans of Foster. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and that kind of thing... Is, what do you, what was the worst that could have happened if that had if that alcohol had stayed on that bus and they hadn't been pulled over and it hadn't been confiscated? Was it really going to turn into a situation where it was just a riot at the match? Well, quite. I mean, I can't remember who they were playing, Dundee United, perhaps. But there's hardly like a sort of big aggro now. For example, if it had been if they'd been going to a game against Kilmarnock, right? Mm-hmm. It's a derby. I understand the police might want to be a little bit more strict on that. Mm-hmm. But in that case, it was a. a you know, a, a game without any aggro. The aforementioned type, uh, time I was going to was Aberdeen Kilmarnock. There isn't going to be any trouble there. There just isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the police still feel the need to storm onto buses and you know haul people off and take you know confiscate the booze and give search the bus and give big long speeches about it. And it's something you don't see. And I've been on buses to transmit. I've been on buses to tea in the park. I've never seen that happen. Because, no. well, it, also it's a specific offence to drink on the way to a football match, which uh, it isn't for other sports and other events, which kind of tells you just by definition that football fans are being treated differently in that regard. Chris, would you say then that there's a kind of demonisation of football fans, not just in relation to you know people attending music festivals, but also if you think about uh, even, and again this might sound like maybe I've got a bit of a persecution complex and perhaps I do and you can tell me if I do but not just music fans but also rugby fans as well you've you've had internationals where people are being given booze before the game and you can buy your alcohol and you, it, there's there's no culture around rugby where there's a kind of a tension between police and football fans to my mind when you have scenes like that Air United supporters bus being pulled over um, that only contributes to a kind of distrust um, and a breakdown of the relationship between the fans and the uh, and the the police. Would you say that there is a kind of demonisation of football fans there? I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't think I can really touch on rugby. I'm not much of a rugby goer, but I do understand it's a very more kind of relaxed atmosphere. Um, and same with transit. But in t- in terms of what you're saying about other sporting events, so um, on Saturday I was up at the Scottish Open for the golf, yep. and obviously a lot kind of. That same kind of idea, more relaxed atmosphere, and uh, so that that was North North Berwick, and uh, mm-hmm. I was getting the train from Glasgow, so it was quite early. Where, uh, me and my friend were going up, but at the same time, we were thinking, oh, we'll maybe just bring this. You know, it's like two hour train journey. We'll bring some, just like two free beers for the for the train up, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't really kind of have a second thought, thinking this is going to be an issue, even though yeah. it was actually. Like sort of well, quite early before ten o'clock, but yeah. it, the the curfew. But you know, I just kind of didn't think it was going to be an issue because you know the whole thing about the ScotRail trying to implement it is just. I think they're kind of thinking about football fans essentially. They that's the people mm-hmm. they want to like essentially stop with these kind of they're not so new curfews. So you have would, just implicated yourself. There. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't I think did. it's an actual crime. <laughs> so, uh. but I think my point was that I didn't see. Any, well, I think I didn't see any police at all. Like, yeah, and any it was quite a busy train from uh, from Edinburgh Waverley. Didn't see any police at all. And even when then we got off the train to, from North Berwick to get the. 
um, sort of the shuttle. The police actually came by, you know, and we were just kind of waiting for the shuttle. We're in the queue, just, you know, having a beer. And there's other people as well, um, although golf's a bit of an older crowd. But everyone's yeah. going there kind of just for an afternoon. And they they kind of, they were coming up telling us like, oh, the next shuttle's, the shuttle's going to be soon. And they obviously seen we, we had a, a beer and they didn't even, you know, bat an eyelid. You know, I think that's just the difference about Gabe was saying about other sports. So yeah. I totally get it. That's probably the same with rugby as well. It's just they, they're, they're not, the police aren't on alert and the same with maybe if it's like Scott Rail or whatever. Well, do you remember when England hosted the Rugby World Cup and there was a, a sign going round about, you know, travelling on trains with rugby fans? It's like, oh, we prepared for a loud atmosphere. Rugby fans like a sing song. Yeah. I'm like, you wouldn't have the same if it was football fans. Absolutely. Now, if it was football fans singing some of the more unsavoury songs, which are sometimes heard at certain Scottish football matches, then I understand that. Mm-hmm. But if you're on a train with a bunch of football fans just singing, you know, songs about their team, they don't get the same, like, nah, that's kind of nice, isn't it? It gives you a bit of an atmosphere reaction yeah. that rugby very clearly gets. And, well, I mean, you, you, you know my political views, so I don't want to say it's a class <laughs> issue. And that, but, the, 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 it, but it may well be a class issue. I, I think there's a... I, I genuinely think, and you can take, as as you sort of reference, some of the songs that you might get at certain football matches are completely beyond the pale. But if you took those out and had football fans in one carriage on a train singing a completely inoffensive song and rugby fans on another carriage of that same train singing an equally inoffensive song, I think the reaction from people around them would be different based on seeing what type of shirt they were wearing there. I think there would be there's a, just a different perception about football and rugby fans. Yeah, I think there is certainly uh, from the authorities, I think. I mean, I'm not sure about, you know, your average person. Uh, as I think I discussed in the podcast on Friday, I was down in Wales last week and I think there was about 3,000 Kilmarnock fans there in the pubs around the town. And the people uh, of Rill, a lot of people were right and saying, oh, like, they, they, they enjoyed it because, okay, people were drunk. There might have been the odd glass smashed accidentally and it's a bit boisterous but you know what there's no violence everybody gets on fine you know okay you wouldn't if you had if you were on the night shift you might not want it but it's the kind of thing that you know people uh it's not it's not an issue is basically what i'm saying whereas i think certainly with uh sort of police and local councils and stuff i think they definitely treat football fans as if it's a bit of a a bit of a scourge a bit of a menace a threat do you know Mm -hmm. what i mean Chris, when you see high-profile figures from politics or the police using kind of glib terms, particularly even on Twitter, as one high-profile person from the police did after the Celtic Rangers game in March, calling it a game of shame, um, what impact do you think that kind of language has? Yeah, it doesn't help because at the end of the day, I know they're trying to like st- stamp it out, but at the end of the day, it's still you know it's still a minority. You know, it's a minority of fans that are going and. Obviously, yeah, I said, like, it's not a thing. But, yeah, just coming out and saying, like, saying like that, I think it's just slightly a bit over the top to essentially class all these people in the same conversation when yep. it's not at all. And I think that's just the total, the the other side of it is it's not just the fans, like, that's maybe it's their issue. It's also sort of the other side, you know, the if it's the police, the people that are dealing with it, you know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's I mean, a collective effort, you know, that needs to be, for it to be kind of resolved. I mean, if we want to crack down on things, this weekend... I saw people unironically singing along to the Cooks in 2019. <laughs> so if anything, yeah, I think we can all agree that is that <laughs> that's the sort of reprehensible behaviour that belongs yeah. in the past. They that just, didn't even belong in yeah, the past. Those, those people deserve to be behind bars. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, we'll move on to Rangers. And uh, when news of Rangers' interest in Philip Hellander became public last week, there were many sceptical fans 
from outside the club who wondered if that deal was really going to happen. Were Rangers really going to spend a few million pounds on an international defender? And it turns out that they did. Now, we might find out later down the line that perhaps that money came from their knowledge that someone like Morelos was going to go later in the window. That could transpire to be the case. But it may well be that they had budgeted for this guy and that, you know, it turns out they did. They were able to afford it and he was paraded at half time during their friendly against Marseille, got a great ovation. Rangers won that match 4-0. It was a dominant performance. Um, two goals from Kandias, one from Goldson, one from Defoe. It's at that time of year when traditionally, as we saw last season, there there's a bit of belief about Rangers fans. Last season, it was the arrival of Steven Gerrard that had that kind of optimism going about Ibrox. Gerrard made improvements last season, but it wasn't enough to make a proper title challenge. This season, though, there does seem to be quite a bit of belief that there could be a real title challenge. And Chris, if you were a Rangers fan right now, would this be the most optimistic you'd been in years? I think so, because last season, I think Gerrard kind of alluded to it after uh, one of the friendlies last week. Um, I think it was before kind of Hillander kind of came through and that got confirmed. So, I mean, Rangers were the highest scorers in the league last year. So he, it's, he knows that it was the, the defence, that's the, the, the sort of the area that does need to improve. So by him sort of, it's not necessarily bringing in like sort of load, a boatload of attackers, you know, to kind of improve that. They, they already kind of got the goals last year, you know, enough to be kind of to match Celtic. It was obviously the other end of the pitch that they struggled. Yeah. Maybe with Goldson coming in, he was relatively solid. He had a good year. Uh, Taverni, I don't think Waddle was, you know, necessarily sort of the best fit. So obviously um, they've got Cattage where he's still a young up-and-comer. Same with Edmondson. I think he's more of a future. So I think bringing in this Hollander, like sort of his pedigree, you know, he's got kind of the international level, Serie A for, you know, four or five years, playing up against high-quality oppositions, kind of hostile atmosphere. Yeah. I think it's really kind of like laying down a marker where that was the area they, need, they needed to address. And mm-hmm. time will tell, obviously, if he's got, got the quality to do it. But yeah, bring it's like three and a half million and then I think it's that will be essentially kind of rise to like maybe five and a half. I mean, that is, I would say, you know, that's serious money that they're kind of, this is the year they're going for that, you know. So yeah. I think it's, I think it definitely uh, shows that they're kind of, I think you would be optimistic because as I said, like Gerard's going out and improve, improving the areas that um, that does, that needs to be improved, you know, to mm-hmm. get them over that line, I think. Yeah, and Gaby, we obviously signed you from Football Italia, so you're a man with <laughs> lots of Serie A knowledge. Um, what do you know about him or... Even if you don't necessarily, if you haven't necessarily watched him play many times, uh, as a guy who was part of a Bologna team for the last three years, what kind of pedigree do you think he brings? Well, I think he's a player who probably will fit in well in Scottish football. He's big, he's good in the air, he's very physical. Now, he's in Serie A, kind of the problem he had a lot of the time was that his passing isn't great. But I think it's probably fair to say that there's less emphasis on that in the Scottish game than there is in the Italian one. It's less important. You'd be playing against teams who are less good. You probably won't be under pressure as much. If you're a Rangers defender, the other team's probably going to set off. Whereas if you're a Bologna defender playing against one of the big Italian teams, they're probably going to press you, and that's when your passing can come come under pressure. So, no, I think it's it's a good signing. It's what... It's a kind of statement signing. I think, as Chris says, it shows that Rangers know where the weaknesses are, that they'll go out and they'll they'll spend the money to address those weaknesses. As we say, we don't know if there'll be a fee coming in for Morelos. Well, I mean, I think everybody kind of assumes that Morelos is going to move on this summer if they can get the right fee. 
But the point is that they've gone, they've identified what was a weakness last season and they've spent to improve it. And I think he's a player who should fit in well in Scotland. Now, uh, of course, I'm now expecting him to be a complete disaster <laughs> and this to be getting brought up to me for <laughs> the rest of time. We have but, got it recorded. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, do you think, though, I mean, now that they've made that addition to the squad, do you do you think, Gabe, that they are now capable of making a serious title challenge Rangers and still being there or thereabouts in late April, May? It's difficult to judge, I think. So they had a great win over Marseille. It must, it's probably been noted that Ligue 1 doesn't start until August 9th. So Marseille are a long way from playing competitive football. They're at a different stage of fitness and they've been kind of a bit of disarray anyways, I think we've covered on the podcast. So you don't want, I mean, you don't want to read too much into friendlies in general and possibly not one against a team that will be three weeks behind in pre-season preparation. But... The signs are obviously good. Uh, the problem, I think, is that there is a big gap to be bridged. You know, Rangers finished nine points behind last season, and that was a season in which Celtic lost their manager halfway through the season, in which they didn't have Lee Griffiths for most of the season, in which Kieran Tierney was in and out the team, in which they sold Dembele uh, and didn't replace him in the summer, and it was still nine points. So Rangers essentially need a 10 point swing from that. They need to be 10 points better or Celtic be 10 points worse or some combination of the two mm-hmm. which I think is is difficult given everything Celtic had to deal with last season and you know they still won won the treble treble which is not me saying that there is no way Rangers can win the league I'm just saying that I think it's one where there's a lot to be done even if they have made positive strides yeah they surely need to keep Morelos if they are if they do I mean if they want to win it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think like so if they so it's looking unlikely Kent's going to come back, um, and if you lose Morelos as well, can you replace that kind of contribution? But with obviously you know Greg Stewart, Jordan Jones, Shea Oju, but can you actually reproduce those kind of those numbers? How many sort of goals they 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 two were involved last year? Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I think they would need they need to hold on to them at the end of the day. Never. I mean, I'm saying yeah, they have improved in sort of their maybe their defense with Hollander and other areas, but. Getting rid of or not being able to keep a hold of those two, that'd be a, a big issue. And I just think maybe, yeah, Ryan Kent uh, at the end of the day, obviously Rangers are going to kind of, that still kind of remains to be seen. Rangers will, are going to get first option if he does go out on loan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that could really end up maybe playing the difference uh, in terms of where the championship will go. Or if if they're the, if Rangers are thereabouts, you know, in April, May, yeah. um, is if, if he's in a sort of a, a Rangers strip next season because... Yeah, he was. He was. I think um, doesn't. It's one of those ones with with Kent was that you see his goals and assists, and you think, mm, actually, looking at it compared to maybe like a Forest, you're thinking, yeah, he was like it's nothing that kind of flies off the page. But I think as watching him actually, I think as Rangers fans, week in week out, he made sort of Rangers a much better team, and just in terms of like so the, just the way he kind of was direct, fought, moved forward, played nice football, one touch football. He just made them a more pleasing team on the eye, and just yep. like. Kind of just everything kind of went through him, even though it might not kind of show the goals and assists uh, level. So I think he could be a play a big difference as well as obviously keeping Morelos in terms of if they're going to be able to win it or not. And do you think in terms of uh, a potential Rangers title challenge, given the amount of signings that Steven Gerrard's brought in and how well as and although Gabe correctly says it's hard to read too much into preseason friendlies, how well Rangers seem to be gelling at this moment. Given the kind of topsy-turvy window that Celtic have had so far, um, big name like Julian, uh, big signing there, Bolly Bolly and Golly Wombo, there's, 
there have been additions, but also a slightly underwhelming managerial appointment. Um, this kind of the Turnbull saga that didn't pan out in the end. Kieran Tierney's future still up in the air. Do you think for Celtic fans, there's a sense of a slight sense of unease just now, or is there a belief that everything will be fine come the end of the window? Yeah, slightly, because I understand that you want to wait about for, you want to get your signings right. You don't want to be sort of just buying for the sake of it. So if they're sort of got these targets and they're waiting to bring in, sort of patient about it to bring in sort of the right players, but not the flip side of it, in Rangers, you can see the benefit of bringing players in early because the preseason is so short, you're back into competitive football in Europe, which is a you know a big deal in terms of you can get through those qualifiers. And Gerrard did it last season where he brought like a lot of players early, had sort of those players lined up yeah. and it, I think like through that European campaign anyway that it proved to be sort of a bonus um, so I think you're seeing like as you're saying you're seeing that Rangers team gelling again I think it's credit goes to Jeff for having those pre-signings lined, uh, pre-signings lined up and then also um, just bringing players in early doors whereas on the flip side yeah Celtic are just kind of they seem to be kind of dilly-dallying but I do understand that they're probably looking for sort of the right players and the Turnbull thing that I mean that's hard to sort of that just that you can't really blame false no. Celtic for that that's that's just the way it turned out yeah. but I mean there is a sense of yeah they've brought in a few players but it's, it's just the the tyranny thing is also dragging on whereas I'm sure Celtic fans would just like to know like is he going is he not and then if he is then you you prepare for life without him instead of this is he going you know it's like it's just it's not good in terms of for the rest of the squad as well never mind the fan base yeah i think for celtic a, like, a big thing is how they start next season because we all know some people were a bit underwhelmed with the lennon appointment so if they start well everything will be grand because obviously they love lennon if it doesn't start as well you know celtic fans will always joke online about oh rangers have won the preseason trophy because people <laughs> are but and and of course, yeah, nothing matters until the season starts. And as I said, don't read too much into friendlies. But if Celtic don't get their transfer business done and they have a poor start to the season, you could see things start to get a bit tense there. Absolutely. So, Muhammad Ali v. George Foreman, Lewis Capaldi v. Noel Gallagher, Piers Morgan v. the vast harrowing emptiness at the core of his being. To that list of titanic struggles, we can now add Shea Logan v. Scott Real. Is that something that you managed to keep up with? Yeah, not... Fedora Djokovic. Well, Fed- I, I, that, that, that was the that was the jewel that everyone should have been keeping an eye on yeah, over the weekend. It, it overshadowed Federer v Djokovic. It definitely did. Uh, so <laughs> you may think it's impossible to side with Scott Real in an argument, but this might just change your mind. So if you've not seen this already, basically, uh, Shea Logan, the Aberdeen defender, tweeted, and I'm going to censor this. Quality, got on a train at 6.10, just got to Carlisle at 22.40. F knows what time I'm getting back to Abs, which is Aberdeen, I believe. Scott Rail, you're worse than Fly Maybe, which I think is a pun on Fly B, very witty. <laughs> um, Dean from Scott Rail apologised and asked Logan what service he was on. Logan said, Dean, save it, Fly B sent Dillion. I'm not interested, pal. I've sent you an email about my refund Bet a head start on that, mate. Um, Then there were a bunch of emojis, and I don't know why. And then Dean responded, I can't see any services run by us that match up with the times you've given. I don't think you were on one of our trains. And uh, Logan said, uh, yeah, you can. You little fibber, look at Manny Airport, which I believe is Manchester Airport, to Edinburgh, 1810. Then were more emojis. And Dean said... 
we don't run trains from Manchester. The 1810 from Manchester to Edinburgh is run by TransPennine Express. Mic drop. Mic drop. So <laughs> if you're looking for Shay Logan, he is in his place, which is where ScotRail put him. Um, obviously, it's not the first and won't be the last time that a footballer embarrasses themselves on social media. Gaby, what is the most ridiculous thing that you've seen a footballer tweet? Uh, well, there's one that I might come back to later. Uh, I think there's everyone knows the famous Wayne Rooney, uh, <laughs> I, I, Whitney Houston, I can't believe it, I want to run to you. Yeah. And also when he just publicly tweeted Rio Ferdinand to ask if he wanted to picked oh, yeah. up in the morning, <laughs> uh, which was good. Um, there was also one by, and he won't thank me for bringing this up because I know for a fact he deleted this tweet by SI Ferry on Open Goal right. that people watch, and he was evidently watching a Soccer Aid um, one one year and he said uh jonathan wilkes playing in the hall robbie williams uh bum hole yeah yes he won't thank me for mentioning that but he did tweet that <laughs> so uh and there's another one which i might come back to later uh a football tweeter that we all like uh with some admirable causes but also a strange obsession, which I think I'll come back to. I feel like I know what path mm. you're going down here. I, um, I, also, a fan of uh, Dean Windass, who there's too many to mention with him, but I think my favourite when he's was when he described someone as being a, a bad mole roddle for youngsters. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, oh what about yourself? You get any favourites? Oh, I don't think anything's going to top that. I think it was when I was, I think going back to the, the Shea Logan thing, when I was, I seen it last night, I was. Mm. Just like I had to look at it a good four or five times to actually understand it. Just for yeah. those kind of, I was like, I just couldn't comprehend in terms of like <laughs> what he was trying to say. And then it was only until like I seen sort of the tweets, sort of the comments down from it with the fans and being like, <laughs> sort of, they managed to explain it. Like there was just like the, just saying like Manny is like a Abs. short I for I was like yeah. <laughs> like it's just cringeworthy and then Shay Logan is like being a great servant for Aberdeen but even if you're an Aberdeen fan I don't know maybe they they, they enjoy like if you're sending to what another one of your kind of mates who's an Aberdeen support you'll be sort of take, taking the rip out of him but I think it's mostly cringeworthy just because yeah. you're like what is he doing I, yeah I feel like it really takes a certain level of uh embarrassing yourself for someone for Scott Reel to come yeah, out that. as the, the victors <laughs> in any kind of online <laughs> debate um Gaby, are you prepared to tell us about the infamous... This is Neville Southall, Yes, it, it is Neville Southall. Yeah. Now, we all, uh, we've spoken on this podcast before about having a lot of admiration for Neville Southall. He's a man in, what, his mid-50s yep. who played football in a very sort of macho environment. Uh, yep. Someone who you might think of having what people would describe as your dad opinions, but he's been very open about wanting to know about LG, LGBTQ plus issues, about... You know, trans issues more specifically, adult babies, which was a bit strange, but you know, he's been fair. But Neville Southall, I don't know if people know this, also has a really strange obsession with skeletons. So I would I would urge anyone just to go on Twitter and search his uh, handle and just put skeletons after it, because there are literally hundreds, but I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna read you some skeleton tweets from Neville Southall. These are all genuine. This could have been a Gabby's game. It could have been, yeah. It been. Uh, imagine all street signs held by skeletons. I reckon there's a market for secondhand skeletons. <laughs> Um, imagine skeleton handlebars on your motorbike made from arms Make it would make changes and braking so easy and fun <laughs> skeletons have arms, legs and backs make ideal chairs <laughs> two skeletons walk into a bar it was an iron bar never said ouch no feelings 
they were Tory skeletons. <laughs> and honestly, I could go on. It's nothing but just skeletons everywhere. Sometimes mixing skeletons with Tories. I mean, there was one that I think uh, combines uh, quite quite nicely the two we were talking about. Lesbian, gay, bi, trans, and skeletons sat on a cloud. No one gives a F. Heaven. Pity it's not the same on Earth. And that's Neville Southall. Yeah, that, if you <laughs> want a pricey of what Neville Southall's Twitter is, <laughs> that tweet is it. It's some quite um, enlightened and woke curiosity, which we can all applaud, and a lot of stuff about skeletons. And adult babies. And adult babies. I think that's, I think that's a, one of the few good things about social media, though, is that you, no one would have ever thought that Neville Southall, a guy of yeah. his generation and his the environment that he played football in would turn out to be... Such know, a skeleton enthusiast. A skeleton enthusiast. <laughs> Woke Southall, the yeah. skeleton enthusiast. Anyway, on that note, that's all from us here at Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow before 4pm, just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website or our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore Scott. To ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can get me on at Old Firm Facts One, Gaby on at Gaby Mackay, and Chris on at By Chris Doyle. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.